So we are, um, we're nearing the end of our Alpha journey. We have been going for, I think, 10 weeks now through the series of Alpha questions, and we've only got two more videos, if you're in a small group, two more videos left in our series, and just a couple more sermons, and we're also nearing the end of the Christian calendar year, Advent begins in just two weeks, and with it, a new year in the life of Christ. So it's appropriate, I guess, that today's Alpha topic is about sharing Christ with others. Our question is, why and how should I tell others? But I think the first question for us really is not why or how, but what? Why and how should I tell others what? So we'll play a quick fill in the blank. Here we go. Is how, why, and how should I tell others? Fill in the blank. About Jesus? About God? Anybody say the Holy Spirit? Because we spent a whole Sunday last week talking about the Holy Spirit. And he still is just God and Jesus, like the Holy Spirit is not part of the party. There's three in one. God, but actually, I'll make it even easier. What about the gospel, right? Let's tell others the Gospel. Anyone know what gospel means? Good news. Thank you, man. Good news. Share the good news. Now, if I say to you, hey, go out and share the gospel, does anybody's heart go, <laughs> right? If you watched our Alpha video last week, then you know it's pretty common to think that sharing the gospel is hard. It's awkward. It can be a real conversation killer. Like, it's on the top of the list of things you don't talk about. Like, Thanksgiving is coming, so we'll be around dinner tables. And at dinner tables, you don't talk about politics or religion, right? We don't talk about religion around the table. And unfortunately, I'm pretty convinced that as of late, we have gotten the two confused at times, politics and religion. The Christian establishment throughout the ages, not just in our time, we've done a really good job of using religion to shame people, to hurt, condemn, to marginalize people throughout history, and it's still happening today. And so when you think about sharing the gospel or telling people about Jesus, I'm always worried, like, I don't know what the last person said to them about Jesus, so I don't know when they, what they're going to do when I come as the next person to talk about Jesus with them. That's why I think it's really important to remember what we're called to share. And that what we're called to tell others really is the what? Good news. Good news. I think sometimes when we get nervous about sharing the gospel or the thought of talking to someone about Jesus makes us really nervous because we think, this is bad news. Like, oh, I got bad news. It's bad news to tell them I'm a Christian. Or it's bad news to talk about Jesus. Despite what you think, though, God is not calling any of us to share bad news. Thankfully, he reserved that for the prophets. In the Old Testament, you might remember Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He wept because he didn't want to share what God asked him to share. Or Isaiah, when God said, hey, Isaiah, I need you to do something for me. Isaiah's first words were, woe is me. But God gave those prophets good news as well. And so we're actually going to look at the prophet Isaiah today and hear, I think, some of the goodest news that's in Scripture. This is Isaiah 65. And my hope today is that if we clear up a bit of the what 
we're sharing with other people, it might make the why and the how a little easier. And so this is Isaiah 65, 17 through 25. Isaiah writes, look, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. Past events won't be remembered. They won't come to mind. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I'm creating because I'm creating Jerusalem as a joy and her people as a source of gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad about my people. No one will ever hear the sound of weeping or crying in it again. No more will babies live only a few days or the old fail to live out their days. The one who dies at a hundred will be like a young person, and the one falling short of a hundred will seem cursed. They will build houses and live in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They won't build for others to live in, nor plant for others to eat. Like the days of a tree will be the days of my people. My chosen will make full use of their handiwork. They won't labor in vain or bear children to a world of horrors because they will be people blessed by the Lord, they along with their descendants. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. Wolf and lamb will graze together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. But the snake, its food will be dust. They won't hurt or destroy at any place on my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the good news for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, you gave a word to your prophet Isaiah. You gave a word to your prophet Jeremiah. You gave a word to your prophet John. And so, Lord, we look to you that we, each of us, Lord, might hear a word of good news from you, from your spirit today in our hearts. Amen. So did y'all hear the good news in there? Be glad and rejoice forever, Isaiah says. Past events won't be remembered. They won't even come to mind. So those words of hope spoke directly to the situation that the Israelites that Isaiah was speaking to where they found themselves. You might remember this story. Jerusalem, the holy city, had fallen. God's temple had been destroyed. Half the family's friends, leaders, priests had been killed. The rest, almost all of them, had been carted off to Babylon. The influence of foreign religions, foreign cultures, was getting too hard to resist. And so for the remnant, the people still in Jerusalem, things were looking grim. I imagine more than one sounded exactly like that. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Things are bad. But Isaiah, in the midst of this, brings the people hope. A reason to rejoice in the midst of darkness. In fact, I think the beauty of the good news is that Isaiah brings us today is that it functions on two different levels. The good news Isaiah brings us functions on the individual level, the personal level, but it's also good news for the community. It's good news for the person in Israel. It's good news for the people of Israel. It works on two levels, but it starts out pretty personal. Isaiah says, no one will ever hear the sound of weeping or crying in Jerusalem again. 
Those are good words for any of us who have found ourselves weeping. If we've wept over heartache or loss, despair, disillusionment, if we've wept in pain or in anger, to be promised a time and a place where we will never have reason to weep again, I mean, you're not going to tell me that's not good news, right? That is good news. In fact, that, good, that news is so nice that God told it to us. Can y'all rhyme? It's good. The news is so nice, God told it to us. Twice. Twice, thank you. God told it to us twice. The prophet, the John of Patmos in Revelation 21, the very end of Scripture, the very end of the New Testament, he shares this same vision of New Jerusalem that Isaiah painted when he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no more mourning, crying, no pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. We need not remember them. No more weeping. No memories of the hard things we wept over. Anybody ever weep over a thing or two in your life? We've wept over a baby living only a few days, like Isaiah reminds us, or wept over a friend or a relative failing to live out their days, spent their days building houses that they won't live in, and wept over not having shelter for the ones we love, or spend our days planting food for others to eat and weeping over our own struggle to feed ourselves or our loved ones who has labored in vain or wept over the horrors of the world that their children will face. All of us, not just in this room, but throughout time and across the globe, we've all had reasons to weep. So who wouldn't rejoice over those hard things, that pain just fading away? Who wouldn't find gladness when that day comes? But the picture that Isaiah and John paint, it's not only about rejoicing on in the individual. It's not just me rejoicing that my hard things are gone. It's not just about individuals finding happiness, but it's also about all of creation finding joy and singing out and rejoicing. He writes that wolf and lamb will graze together and the lion will eat straw like the ox, but the snake, its food will be dust. They won't hurt or destroy at any place on my holy mountain, says the Lord. The wolf, the lamb, the lion, the ox, all of earth will find peace. All the earth will eat. And no harm need come to anyone. Like no one has to die. Nothing has to die for me to eat. No place needs to be destroyed for me to have a place on this earth. Except the snakes, man. The snakes still going to struggle. And I'm okay with that because the snakes will got us in the mess to begin with. So we'll let it, we'll let it ride. The good news, though, it's not just for us as individuals. It's for people of God, all God's creation. A new heaven and a new what? Earth. That's the good news that we're called to share. That's the what we're called to tell others about. That God is making all things new. That all those reasons that we may have to weep, They'll soon be forgotten that joy and gladness wait for us all. They will rule the day. And that's a, that's a cool thing to share with someone else. That is good news because there's plenty of bad news out there. Like 
we don't need to heap more bad news on people in the name of religion. Like, who here has a phone? I used to, but now it's recording me. If you had a phone, if you got a phone, just hold it up. For real. Like, I know y'all got one. You could be like three years old now, you got a phone. You're probably already holding it, half y'all doing the thing, right? So, the, you know, this is like, we all know this, this is like one of the most expensive computers out there, right? That, that phones, the phone you hold in your hand, most of them now are po- more powerful than, than our computers at home. What they can do. They are perfectly designed devices, like the pinnacle of human achievement in finding a way to bring us bad news whenever we want it. We have bad news at the touch of a finger. Where, at, like, speaking of Haiti today, like, I still remember, like, the thing that blew my mind the most the first time I was there was we were in town and, and there were people coming down the mountain. They've been making charcoal. They're coming down the mountain on donkeys with bags of charcoal covered in soot, holding their cell phones. It was like my brain didn't compute. Like, you've you on a donkey, and yet, like, every, it's everywhere we go. We can find bad news at the touch of a button. We design perfectly things like, like, like well, here, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News are perfectly designed to deliver us what? Bad news. But God created us perfectly designed to deliver good news. This is what he says. He says, be glad and rejoice forever. And read that bottom two lines. For his people as a what? Source for gladness. I'm creating Jerusalem as a joy and her people as a what? Source. For gladness. We were created to be a source for gladness. That's the what of telling others the good news. The easiest way, why, of telling others good news then is just because that's what we were made to do. We're perfectly designed to tell others good news, to be a source for good news in the world. But if that is not enough alone to convince you of our why, I want to introduce you to two people that I just think can capture the why of sharing good news in the world. This one, some of you may know this lady. This is Rosie Antrim. Um, We had a celebration of life for her on Friday, 95 years old. And I dare say she wasn't just someone who believed in the good news. She, like, lived the good news. In the last few weeks and days of her life, she had this incredible peace about her and joy. And if you were there Friday, like part of our story of telling her life was all the time she'd been in the hospital and almost died. Like four blood transfusions, stroke, hemorrhaging, like everything you could imagine. She spent two months of her life in Children's Mercy when she was 10 years old, unable to see her. Like, she'd been through it all, and yet she had joy. Like, if ever anyone had a reason to weep at things throughout her life, it was Rosie, and yet she had joy. A joy in Christ, and a joy that she found in the company of others. Shauna tells a story about the first time she went to visit her at her at her new digs when she was in the nursing home in Belton. Sean said, can I pray with you? And Rosie says, well, no, actually, let's pray for the caregivers here because I've been praying for them every day and I could use your help. That's who Rosie was, is. 
And when I was there at the celebration, like three former pastors were there of hers. The daughter of a former pastor who passed away showed up, not to say goodbye, but to say, hey, I'll see you soon. Members of her old UMW group came to see her and to share and remember the joy that she brought. Beautiful family and friends from as far away, like Guatemala flew in to come and be there. The in-laws came to share in this moment. And as you looked around, you're like, man, that would have been, each one of those beautiful family members was a reason for her to weep at the thought of leaving. And yet she found joy at the thought of seeing the family members she hadn't seen for so long when she got to the place that Jesus prepared for us. She had joy. And she trusted in that good news that we'll all be restored, that we'll all be reunited, that we're all promised an eternal city of gladness. She even quoted Revelation 21, and that like two days before she passed, she paraphrased it. She was asked if she wanted to go back to the hospital and maybe one more transfusion, keep it going. She said, no, I'm good. She said, I would rather go to the place where there's no more needles and no more tubes, <laughs> no more mourning, no more pain, a new heaven and a new earth. So why do we share this good news? So that others might have that same hope, that same joy that Rosie has, and that maybe, just maybe, that when I'm telling others about this joy and this hope, I might convince myself to have it as well. Because the Lord knows I need it too. The second person I want to introduce you to is actually 19 people, young people, 19, man, 19 young ladies. Because of COVID, I haven't seen them since they were like this. And now they're 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 getting they're getting up there. They're getting they're getting older. These are the 19 young ladies that live at Strong Tower, Haiti. Um, and I, I'm gonna see. You're gonna have a quiz later. You're gonna have to remember all their names. We're gonna show them one by one. But it's Frandy, Aline, Miradlene, Edgewich, Leyland, Rose Berlin, Norlee, Rose Nadine, Liskat, Joskat, Stephanie, Stefana, America, China D, China Love. Ismaela, Kamita, Judeline, Rosnika, and Dawa. Now, can you identify each? <laughs> no, you cannot. No, you cannot. There's a few things in my life that I'm proud of. I'm proud to be a part of, of my family. I'm proud to be a part of this church. And I'm proud to be a part of, of these young ladies' lives. I've shared before, I'm on the, I have the privilege to be on the board of directors for Strong Tower Haiti. It's an orga organization that started as an orphanage. For 19 young girls, um, but now it's growing. And it's growing into a source of gladness, not just for these girls, but for the entire community of Caracol, Haiti. And, and we're not taking any new girls. Instead, instead of taking new girls, we're working on preventing other individuals from becoming orphans, from needing this kind of care, lifting up a community and a people that are able to raise their children to be healthy and hope filled. But this last year, has been a frightening example, I think, in the world sometimes of just how far we are from sharing the gladness that God offers us with all of God's creation. I mean, as long it feels like as I've been alive, Haiti has been this, just a hard place. And I just look at the last year, um, the gang violence of staggering proportions. Like we were trying to get food to Caracol for the community and we couldn't get it there because gangs had blockades on the roads. They couldn't get gasoline. Even at $40 a gallon, they couldn't get gasoline to the communities that needed it. They couldn't afford it, but they needed it to run electricity. So many of them run off of generators. 
kidnappings, extortion, malnutrition, a cholera outbreak this year. There's no healthcare or education because it's too dangerous to go to the doctor or your school right now. To quote Isaiah, babies aren't making it past two days. Old people aren't living out their days. People with inadequate housing are spending their days building houses for others. People with no food are spending their days harvesting food for others. Children are being born into a world of horrors. The lions are still out there ravaging the lambs. So we need to tell God why. We need to tell others about God, about Christ. That we need to tell others the good news so that they might experience that joy and that peace that Rosie had. But we also need to share others, share with others the good news because God created us to be co-creators of goodness. To be a source of gladness for people in places that are too hard to see gladness. To share the good news to people like those 19 girls and their neighbors. To share the good news by being the good news for them. By helping the ones building homes for others to build their own homes. By helping the ones raising crops for others to raise their own food. And by helping to provide health care so that children may live on to old age and eventually live out all of their days. And so this is Orphan Sunday on 2022, and I'm reminded of that why, why we tell others the good news. We show others the good news in response to God's heart for the poor, the widow, the foreigner, the orphan. We show others the good news in the hopes that we and they might experience a foretaste of that new heaven and the new earth that God is Creating. I read from a, a different translation today. Um, I read from the Common English Bible. It's one of the newer translations. And so they've done a lot more research on grammar. Doesn't that sound fun? But the Hebrew word that says, look, I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. A lot of times the New International and New Revised Standard, that's, look, I will create. It's a future thing. But when you look at the tense, in Hebrew, it's it's a, it's a what is that, present perfect or something. I am creating. God is already. It's not some future thing. God is already creating a new heaven and a new earth, creating a new source of gladness and the beauty about sharing the gospel. The good news is the good news is that we have been invited to be a part of that. That God uses us, partners with us. That God wants us to be a source of gladness. That God wants to create through us. And not in spite of us. And so that's why we tell others the good news. They might find peace. They might find hope. Amen. Amen.